I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Monday, January 6, 2020. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. First, let's take a look at the big picture, then we'll drill down to some of the shorter time frame charts. We'll learn a couple of things from a technical analysis perspective. We'll take a look around the horn, and then we're also going to do is take a look at some things that are somewhat, and I'm using air quotes on this one, esoteric and what I mean by that is you're going to get inside my head a little bit so it's going to seem a little bit like you're in the twilight zone and I'm going to talk about a couple of things that you're certainly not going to hear about any single day what happened over the weekend slash overnight slash into the morning and then up into the end of the day what we had was another rescue operation it was a 911 call early this morning by the dip crowd was out ppt svu whatever you want to call it they were out to rescue the market early just as they were on friday Since we're discussing the rescue, we'll go right to the hourly chart. We're going to go back to the daily because I have some other things to discuss. But here was the situation on Friday. Here was the situation today. We have the gap down. We have the rescue and the grind for the rest of the day today. We didn't quite have the grind for the rest of the day on Friday. But it was the same general theme both days. Back to the daily chart. Are we and can we make new highs? Can we make new highs? Of course they can make new highs. There's nothing wrong with the market from a technical perspective. The trend is up. We're near the old highs, which were just from the other day. So of course they can make new highs. Will they make new highs? We really don't know. If I say yes and I'm wrong, I'm a heel. If I say no and I'm wrong, I'm a heel. What I like to do is go with what I do know. I do know the trend is up and I do know they're running out of time. Now, we've been here before, so those of you that have been around a while will be familiar with they're running out of time. So therefore, the fact that from my work, from where I sit, they're running out of time. Now, others have a different opinion. That's fine. That's what makes a market. Two people, two analysts look at the exact same thing. We're both looking at the same chart, we're both looking at the same set of data, and we can absolutely come up with two totally different scenarios. That's absolutely what makes a market. Think about it like this. Every time you buy a stock, you bought it from somebody that thought it was the right time to sell it. Same thing goes on the flip side. So from where I sit and my work, they're running out of time. However, I can't tell you whether or not they're going to make a new high over the next couple of days or not. They're too close by. Anything can happen. We can certainly have a gap up in the morning on a tweet, a piece of news, whatever it is. On the flip side, we know what's going on around the world. We know what's going on with Iran. We know, or at least with a high degree of rational thinking, Iran is probably going to try and do something again. And in response to that, I would say that 
President Trump would likely do something again. So therefore, the situation is likely to escalate versus unlikely to escalate. Using the 80-20 rule, I think we're in the it's more likely it escalates than not camp. Now, under normal garden variety market conditions, I'm not in the consensus camp most of the time. This time, I think that is the consensus. I think it's the consensus for a reason. I think that is the actual duck. Now, we're going to talk about one of those esoteric inside my head type things. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I like numbers. Generally speaking, I know my numbers. I eat, sleep, breathe numbers. Sometimes when I find a number that makes sense to me and would look like a foreign object to somebody else, that's generally a pretty good number, especially when it's kind of right where we are when we're running out of time. I might have found one of those numbers. And here's what it is. I'm not going to necessarily tell you what the number is because it doesn't matter. But here's the case I'm making. A, the market doesn't have to get to the number and it doesn't have to mean a whole lot of beans. But if the market makes a new high, we're not that far away from a number from which the square root of would be absolutely meaningful because it would bring another number right into the fold. And when that happens, and I know in the bottom of my heart, when I see something like this, it's just dead on balls accurate. That's just the way it is. So here's what I'm saying. The fact that I believe we're running out of time, and I also know that close by, not that far away, is another number. Let's say it's a day or two away of another set of bullish conditions. You put all that stuff in a bucket, and here's what I'm really saying. We're looking for a top. We're not that far away, might go a little higher, might not, but at the end of the day, when you fast forward, let's just say weeks to months, generally speaking, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be right. Now, what's the flip side of that? Where am I wrong if we blow past that number like it wasn't even on the paper? I'll let you know if that happens. It's not that far away. Let's keep the ball moving around the horn. We're going to a 120-minute chart just for the purposes of seeing something else from another perspective. What do we see? Is there anything different? You can see it's pretty obvious. There's nothing bearish on this chart above all the moving averages. They've threatened to go down a couple of times each and every time. The market's been saved. That's essentially the grip of the uptrend taking hold. As soon as the market gets rescued in the morning, the sellers disappear. Nobody else wants to be a seller because of the rescue operation. Therefore, sellers disappear. Buyers either show up or the market goes sideways, and that's what we've seen happen. By the way, a little bit of a short hop. I got to go back to the daily chart. I wanted to talk about the 20-period moving average. Now, we came short of the 20-period moving average again. Now, we've taken off to the upside. How do you read that? Well, the bulls will read that. They couldn't even get to the 20-period moving average, took off in the other direction. The market's in an uptrend. All the moving averages are rising. Therefore, the uptrend is intact. Party on. That's fine. That's true at the moment. Yours truly reads the situation slightly different, maybe with a little bit of a different twist. 
I'm still looking at that 319 and change area as a former breakout area that has yet to be tested. I like when they get tested. Of course, they don't have to get tested on my time frame, but they will get tested. That coupled with the fact that the market, in my view, is running at a time, it will get tested. I think there's some shenanigans going on. The 20-period moving average now above that level, but nevertheless, I think there's a little bit of shenanigans coupled with the mysterious January effect continuing to go on. We've just gotten back from the holiday season, therefore, you have to give the market a little bit of time to settle in. Let's make fun of the media for a second. Why? Because it's fun to do. Let's say, for argument's sake, that the entire reason why the market was down overnight, meaning the futures, and also early this morning before the rescue, let's say that was all due to the fact that Iran and the U.S. is in the midst of an escalating situation. By the end of the day, the market is up, and did that situation just go away? Was it fiction? Was the media wrong in reporting it? Was it just fake news? Or was the market down for a different reason in the morning and the Iran situation was just a convenient excuse that fit in at the time? It's not an answerable question. It's really a rhetorical question. Those of you that have been around for a long time know what I believe. I believe the market does what the market does from a technical perspective. The media, the news has nothing to do with it. They're always wrong. They fit in the excuses after the fact. That's just the way it is. I can't help but think that way. I have no choice. I just mentioned the futures contract, and I also mentioned I have no choice to think that way. And I want to just prove a point, and it's specifically targeted at those that have taken the lazy e-mini trader course. So, therefore, those that have taken the course will understand from this chart that today, at the end of the day, the market did a very specific thing and went to a very specific tick within one tick of a very specific price, which is not a coincidence, nor is an accident. That's how we know that the market does in fact trade technically sound at the end of the day. Another short hop. What was going on inside the numbers today? There were no stocks on the move that hit their target price this morning. There was hardly any stocks on the move to begin with. And guess what? That was a pretty good indicator that the gap down really wasn't long-lasting. That's certainly a bit of Monday morning quarterback, but I did mention the fact that there was nothing moving at the open down below in the pre-market morning notes. And when you have a gap down, you can expect a lot of stocks to be getting a haircut along with the general overall market. That wasn't happening. Put that on a sticky note. Use that later. Here's the rest of the pre-market morning notes. And what I'll do is I'll just scroll up and show you the notes that happened throughout the trading day. Therefore, you can see what's going on. You can see what inside the numbers get every single day. Some days we get a lot of information that's actionable. Some days you just can't trade it because there's not a lot going on. But there's always uses for the information. Some of us have 
other positions on. They want to know if the market is likely to continue going up further, continue to go down further, running into resistance or support, which can certainly impact a variety of stocks we hold if the S&P is going heavy in one direction or the other. As you'll see, and it's really no secret, from a technical perspective, the market closed in a very, very bullish position today, and under normal garden variety market conditions, that would suck in some more Johnny-come-latelys. Maybe they'll be right, maybe they'll be wrong. We'll find out tomorrow morning. As we move on, obviously the trading throughout the day and the afternoon gets less and less likely to ever happen. The volume tends to really, really taper off as the day goes on. Once lunchtime rolls around, pretty much the computers take over, and until maybe the last hour or so of the day, things are really, really in the camp of watching paint dry. What's going on in Camp IWM? Again, we're moving the ball around the horn. Little bit interesting, as a market-leading indicator, and yours truly, my favorite market-leading indicator it's still lagging the S&P. So the IWM hasn't filled the gap left open from a couple of days ago. That happens to come in at 165.78. If you look at the corresponding position of the market on the S&P, they filled the gap twice. So there is a little bit of shenanigans going on. There is a little bit of lagging indication from the IWM from where I sit. They have recaptured the 20-period moving average after dipping below two days in a row. So that's a positive. That's in the bull camp. So technically speaking, there's nothing wrong with the market. It's still in the uptrend, only it is lagging the S&P. And as my favorite market-leading indicator, that's a puzzle piece. It's on the table. The hourly chart of the IWM, on one hand, looks the same as the S&P from an intraday activity perspective, However, look where we are as it relates to the moving averages. If I bring up the S&P back, the SPY, we're above all the moving averages. The IWM, we're not so much above all the moving averages. So again, we have to look at that and say, is the IWM trying to tell us something? Is the S&P going somewhere? And then when it finally gets there, everything else is going to drop through the floor. And that's why we're seeing a lag in the IWM. That's one possibility. Another thing to note is, from a general perspective, tops are made not necessarily all in one day. Tops are a process that happens at times over a period of time. So you'll see certain markets lag another, and then we look back and we say, yeah, that was the canary in the coal mine. Maybe it's the transports. Maybe it's the transports in the IWM. So all these things play a role. Maybe the SMH comes into play. Maybe technology falls off or the financials fall off. All these things happen not necessarily at the same time, and they don't all happen in one particular order each and every time. That's why we have to look around the horn. That's why we look at all the things we do, and my job is to figure out what the hell's going on. Speaking of the transports, let's take a look and see if this chart wants to tell us anything in particular. This is one of those charts where there's a couple of things going on. One is, it's kind of a hot mess. I can make nine different cases. This chart reminds me of Elliott Wave Theory. You ask 
10 Elliott Wave Titians, whatever they call themselves, what's going on, what the wave count is, and you get like 38 different counts. That's not even including the alternates. So one of them's going to be right, and they're all going to change their count 42 times using 17 different charts. Back to the transports. This chart reminds me of something that I can make a case any which way but Sunday. However, I always revert to the first thing or two that jumps off the page at me when the chart pops up. I have three things. Two are not bullish, and one is, eh, somewhat, not so much bullish, but not so much bearish. Let's start with that one. We're above all the moving averages by the skin of its teeth. That's not the first thing that jumps off the page at me, but that is something that I see. The second thing I see can be construed as a channel. I can convince you that that's a channel. However, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to tell you why I don't like it as a channel. So if you want to get technical and go to the book, it's not really a point-to-point channel. It's kind of sloppy. Yet, I like to call it something else. It's a bearish wedge pattern any way you want to look at it. So here, it looks like it's a failing bearish wedge pattern. That's the first thing that I see. Now, could it be rescued? Of course it can. But that's what I see. That's the second thing on the board. The third thing I see that jumps off the page, which is actually the first thing I see, is the lower highs. There's a high, there's a lower high, and there's another lower high, not by much, but it's a lower high. So here's the way we're going to view this. Based on what I just said, and based on what my analysis is telling me, here's where all this goes awry, and it's just bullish period full stop. If we get above this high here, which was from the 2nd of January, and we close up there, and we no longer have another lower high, then all bets are off, and the transports are maybe not bullish, maybe not bearish, but who knows, it becomes or reverts back to a hot mess. Until and unless that happens, I'm going with it's bearish, not bullish, based on the two of the three type conditions that I just described. I think ultimately, the transports are the canary in the coal mine. Keep the ball moving around the horn, what do we have in the queues? We have a market that's very close to the old highs all the way back from last Thursday. You know what I'm going to say, nothing wrong with this market, technically speaking, it's bullish, it's in an uptrend, move it along. How about the financials, the XLF, another rescue operation this morning, and I find this one interesting, because here's a bullish pattern that begins to fail, gets below the 20 period moving average, has every opportunity to go down and do what? Test a breakup candle low, somewhere down in the vicinity of 30 and a quarter, 30, 30, something in that neighborhood, gets rescued early and finishes over and above the 20 period moving average. Now we see a theme developing today, and with that theme, it's either very, very bullish or shenanigans. How about the SMH, which is the proxy for the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index? Similar routine, only didn't quite get the same type of rally. You can see here from a 15-minute chart, it got the rescue early on, but it really floundered most of the day. I think that's interesting. I think that's a puzzle piece. I think it's on the table. How's gold doing? Remember the weekly chart that we looked at in gold? 
And the last time we talked about this chart, and I'm not 100% sure it was the last time, but I remember discussing it. It was a potential bearish pattern inside of a bullish pattern. Which one was going to work out? So we had the breakup candle low down here that was tested, never closed below. We had a breakdown candle that made a bear flag pattern that did what? Release the energy in the other direction. We also know another thing. We know from a long-term perspective, and I said this at least a dozen times, we're in a long-term breakout in gold. So the day-to-day or even week-to-week ups and downs aren't going to really matter in the long run. We're in a long-term breakout in gold. Now, did we put in a top today and we're going to trade down for several days to even a few weeks? I'm not sure yet, but let's just have an understanding that I'm not looking to be short gold. I'm happy to buy gold on pullbacks. I'm not so much a seller of gold. You can take that for what it's worth. We're in a long-term uptrend in gold. This is one of those times where you kind of put on your investor hat and you take your trader hat off when you're talking about a long-term uptrend in something. You have to be able to ignore the day-to-day the week-to-week, even at times the month-to-month declines. We're in a long-term breakout slash uptrend in gold. And for those of you wondering, that was my way of essentially pounding the table. Again, from a long-term perspective. Traders, it's a great place to pull the ripcord. Welcome to 2020. We're going to have a blockbuster year. I want to thank each and every one of you because you know what? Without you, these videos are in no way possible. I appreciate each and every one of you. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.